Well, kids, it's Monday night. You know what that means. You know what to do. You got to get yourself a beer. You got to settle yourself in. Get yourself ready. It's the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. And check out this. It's my buddy Rob Curry and the Curry Brothers. that one up I, I I can't even begin to explain the number of things that went wrong with my production values last week but the good news is we're here we're gonna do better that's the thing you mess something up that's fine dust yourself off do better the next time and that's what we're doing here tonight that is exactly what we are doing here tonight. I am back. It is Monday night. It is dark, but it was a beautiful day. Good golly, I hope you got outside. If you were in Toronto today, you might have been aware that it's basically been uh, gray and damp and overcast for the month of January, except for those few days when it was gray and damp and really, really, really cold. Uh, That was another uh, seasonal thing that happened uh, this January. Oh, I forgot to turn off my fridge. One second. If I play my cards right, I can do it with my foot. Hang on. Ha ha. Not bad. Now the problem will be remembering to turn it back on. But I will cross that bridge when I come to it. Hey, what was I saying? It's beautiful out today. I hope you got outside. It was real nice. Sunny, bright, crisp, fresh. If there'd been some snow, it would have felt like winter. I mean, there wasn't, so it didn't, but, you know, a fella can hope. A fella can hope. Now, let's cut to the chase. We got things to talk about tonight. As promised, if you're watching the video, you can see what that is. This is, of course, Gaslight Hellas Lager from none other than our friends over at Muddy York Brewery. Pardon me, Muddy York Brewing Co. Just want to get that right. As we discussed last week, these wonderful people are making a move to Stouffville. Stouffville, Ontario. Pride of... Stouffville, Ontario. Pride of the area north of Highway 7, but south of the really cool part of the province. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, let's get that pour here for the kids at home, because I know how much you've been wanting to see this. Oh, look at that beer. Oh, that's so golden. It's so golden and clear. It's light, which is what Hellas literally means in German. Generous head. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. This glass, I don't know if you can see in the video, and if you're listening on the podcast, let me assure you, there is a generous, we'll call that three fingers of head at the top, and if you can look in the glass, there is just carbonation pouring from the bottom like bubbles from a witch's cauldron and it's because of course this glass has a uh, a tea etched into the bottom of it. it's a tenant's glass and they etched the tea that is a massive nucleation point and carbonation has a tendency to just pour off it i actually can't use this beer uh, i mean glass for some beers because it's just unmanageable how much carbonation it releases tenants likes it frothy i guess and 
I mean, I like a good bit of head on my beer. This is going to be challenging. If you're watching the video, be prepared to see me with a beer foam mustache in my real mustache. And I will tell you about a disgusting fact. Disgusting fact. Anyway, uh, let's give this old beer here a sniff of Rooney. Now, to be honest with you, I've gone a little crazy with the head. That said, I do get a nice malty, maybe not quite biscuity, grassy malty. That's what it is. Hmm, nice grassy, malty aroma. A little metallic notes, not uncommon in a Hellas Lager. I'm not necessarily getting it on the nose here. I don't think. Mostly just grassy, malty goodness. What the hell? I turned you off, Fridge. I maybe didn't quite get the button. Let me just reach with my foot again. Hang on, where is it? There it is, I think. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is making for some good podcasting. Did that do it? I mean, that's what happened last time and it came back on. Wondering if the button just settled itself back into the on position. I know I didn't very affirmatively. I'm reaching with my foot about a meter away. It's a long story. Grassy, multi goodness. Let's take a drink and let's see if I get a beer foam mustache in my real mustache. Mmm. Mm-mm-mm. Friends, it's even worse than that. I had both beer foam in my mustache as well as beer foam on my nose. We went for the whole, whole rigor morale. Mmm, that is really tasty, though. Okay, here's what's going on. Mmm. Nice. Still grassy maltiness. Remember, of course, barley is, in fact, a grass. When we talk about barley, we're talking about the seed, but the plant that produces barley, like wheat, like rye, like spelt, is grass. It's just grass. So when we talk about a grassy sort of aroma, that's what we're talking. We're not talking about like when you mow the lawn. Although that's also grass. Funny enough, especially in Toronto, not uncommon that it's at least partially rye, if not entirely rye, although sometimes genetically altered rye. Rye grass is a popular colder weather grass. Hard wearing, has good um, trampleability, I think is the word. Anyway, the point here is this has got a nice multi grassy multi uh, note I suspect the hopping here is noble given that it's a German Helles lager would not surprise me uh, to find that there's a bit of uh, Hallertau in there certainly there's a bit of a uh, tannic astringency not quite hitting on spicy which you might get from Hallertau but that doesn't mean it's not what's in there now, I've had this beer a number of times. M many's the time I've had this beer. Many's the time I've had this beer when I've walked into a bar unsure of what was going to be in the bar and found myself, I must confess, delighted to discover that, in fact, they did have Gaslight Hellas on tap. What a coup. When you're thinking, am I about to have a pint of Stella Artois? No, nay, indeed, I'm going to have a Gaslight Hellas 
Delightful. Uh, yeah, this is exactly what it should be. Helles Lagers. This is a German style of beer. It means light. It doesn't necessarily mean light in alcohol. And indeed, let me take a look at the can. I don't think this is a light beer, just by the way, the weight on my mouth. No, it's 5.4% alcohol. Hey, Muddy York, you know we're friends and I love you guys. Can a Helles actually be that high? I would have thought it would have tapped out around 5 and change, although 0.4 is and change. I suspect this is the upper working limit of, uh, of a Helles lager, but that's fine. Uh, the key things to Helles, they should be uh, snappy and, and, and bitter with hops, but not particularly. Indeed, like a Pils, which is another German style, uh, should be hoppier. Uh, again, not like IPA level of hop, but like hoppy. Uh, Hellas Lagers, as I even said in uh, this smell. What the hell is going on here? How is this fridge doing this? I think there's a ghost under my desk or a child. I don't think there's a child. My kids are too big to play this sort of prank on me. Okay, I think I got it there. That felt way more affirmative. This is becoming weird. Um, Hellas Lagers. Lighter, often grassy. Again, sometimes a bit of a metallic note, uh, which I believe comes from the hopping, um, but should be refreshing and crushable. And these aren't beers you typically write an essay or record a podcast about. They're just solid, good lager beers. They go good with food. Great after you've been doing something strenuous and you're hot. They're fantastic. And this is exactly that. Mmm. Nice, tight white head, grassy maltiness, love that. Actually not convinced about my earlier statement that it could be Hallertau? Might be. Whatever the hopping is, as it should be, it's not prevalent. There's just a nice tannic sort of dry bitterness to it, cleans it up a little. That's what's going on here. What's this beer good for? I mean, like everything. Uh, one of the things that people misunderstand a lot about um, one specific type of food and beer pairing uh, would be pizza. Uh, people are always like, oh, you got to drink wine with pizza because of the tomato sauce and the oregano. Red wine, perfect combination, isn't it? I mean, it, it works, but a lot of Italian people prefer to drink beer with their pizza. They tend to drink Italian pilsners. A Hellas Lager is very close to a uh, an Italian Pilsner in a lot of ways. This will work great. This is a great pizza beer. The reason being that they're uh, they're bright and uh, you tend to drink them very cold. They have a nice carbonation. They have a nice dry bitterness, so they're quite clean. Which, against all the complexity of the pizza, it's it's like drinking a soda water, but a little bit better than a soda water because there's a little bit more going on there. But you're not trying to go for um, comparison here. You're not trying to draw things out with the beer. What you're trying to get the beer to do is actually kind of rein in the pizza a little bit, and it does a great job of it. So you could do that with this. No, I confessed I've had this many times. I've had this many times today. This is indeed my fourth can. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, that's not entirely true. It's the fourth can I've opened. I used a significant portion of the first can to make beer batter to make fish and chips. Top secret. Work great. It makes a great beer batter because it's beer. And in fact, when you're making a beer batter, 
you tend to want to stay away from the more complicated beers, and particularly the higher hopped ones, because hops just don't cook great is what it comes down to. So the more hop there is, the more likelihood that the hop taste is going to get a little weird when you cook it. Um, this stuff's fantastic. Just perfect. Uh, I would highly recommend. What else? I mean, you know, your usual German fare. It's going to hold up great against a sausage. Do great with a pretzel. Do it all. Cheeses, yeah, uh, again, don't go crazy because the beer doesn't have a ton going on itself. So if you're looking for it to keep up with a bigger, funkier cheese, it's not. But um, like any kind of medium cheddar, uh, even getting into the older, but without getting into the funky, it's going to do great. It's going to be fantastic. You can get this and have it with, I was going to say just about anything, eh, but a lot of things, definitely. Indeed, if you've just joined us, what are we drinking? This is Gaslight Hellas Lager from Muddy York Brewery. For now, the pride of East York, Ontario, shortly to become the pride of Stouffville, Ontario. And we wish them very, very well in that. Let me have a sip of beer. We're going to talk a little bit more about Muddy York, but more about their move. And then we're going to talk about rugby because the Guinness Six Nations does start this weekend. And good golly. If I'm not excited, whew, I am. Mm-mm-mm. Okie doke. Muddy York. Muddy York, incidentally, uh, Jeff and Sue were guests on uh, Friend of the Pod, uh, Ben Johnson's uh, podcast, uh, uh, and they, they, it was quite long. I actually haven't even finished listening to it. <sighs> I'm not a great person, but I, I listened to a lot of it, and it's still in my queue I just haven't quite gotten to it, gotten back to it. But uh, interesting, interesting uh, news that they broke and good, albeit not great for them because of the amount of heartache involved in getting to this good news. Um, but what I relayed on the show last week was like 80, 70, maybe percent of the story of their move. So far, so good. They decided to open a place in Stouffville as a second location. Then they discovered that their first location was going to be sold. They weren't able to buy that, especially taking on the new location, decided let's just move everything to the new location. I was right about all that. I wasn't actually, well, I wasn't wrong about anything because I didn't tell you where they were moving to in Stouffville, mostly because I'd forgotten and I hadn't done any research. Uh, it turns out they'd been planning on moving into the old post office building on the, the main street in, uh, in Stouffville. One of the few buildings old man Stinson still doesn't own, but I digress, uh, without getting into a lot of details and, and whatever, and they tended not to as well. And I think I kind of understand why it's good to be a good neighbor. That location didn't work out. <laughs> Let's just go with it didn't work out. Thankfully for them, they actually discovered that they they were in a situation. I don't need to bore you with the details. And indeed, I don't know them. I was going to speculate, but there's no point. Uh, they were in a position that they could actually buy a not insignificant uh, space, found the right space for the right price and uh, and have have bought uh, a unit. It's it's in a, a more industrial uh, area in the I believe the west end of the city, the newer end of the city. A lot of big boxes and whatnot out that way. But the thing about Stouffville, if you've ever been there, um, everybody drives everywhere because it's 
pretty sprawly. <laughs> like being on the main street would be great, <laughs> but a lot of people who were coming would still drive to the main street to then visit your uh, location. Because, of course, it's surrounded by subdivisions. Uh, and it's very surrounded. So everyone drives anyway. So uh, whether you're in an industrial area in a big box zone or smack dab in the middle of Main Street, yeah, 80% of your customers were going to drive there anyway. So uh, they're doing great. And they've got this new location. And that's where they're moving. Uh, again, I haven't finished the episode. It did sound like they were trying to pack a lot of... Um, expansion work into a very short amount of time. So uh, I don't know off the top of my head what their projected opening date in Stouffville is. Again, haven't listened to the whole episode with uh, Ben and, and Chris, but it wouldn't be surprising if they have to kind of slow open, you know, uh, hey, the tap room's open, but we don't have retail yet or, you know, stuff like that happens. Let's just give them the space because a move in general is tough and a move that far is hard. And especially the circumstances in which they found themselves having the place they thought they were moving to fall through. Uh, this, this might take a, a little bit of doing, but they are perfectly capable of doing it. Fantastic uh, business. Jeff and Sue, fantastic couple. And uh, yeah, if anyone can do it, they're going to do it and they're going to do just fine. Stouffville will be very, very lucky to have them. With that in mind, remember I told you in the last episode, I'm going to look it back up right now just to make sure I get the details right. Muddy York Brewing. Let's look it up on the old internet. I just want to get the date of the date. I know what the date is. It's this Saturday. They're having their going away party. Uh, Hoppy Trails moving party Saturday, February the 3rd. Hmm. Can I? I guess all the information is right here. Join us for good vibes and hoppy and not so hoppy beer as we bid farewell to our current location and prepare to embark on new beer filled adventures. Pop up by the always absolutely mouth watering golden horseshoe barbecue. Save the date, invite your friends, and let's make the Hoppy Trails moving party a legendary send off. I mean, that sounds great to me. That is this Saturday, February the 3rd. I don't know, but I'm assuming this is mostly taking place after the games of the Guinness Six Nations, which is great because I want to watch this. Mm. Indeed, I will be there. It's going to be a fun little party. Good to see that space one more time. I got a funny story about that space. I'm going to tell you in just a second. Uh, but uh, be sad to see them go, obviously, but very exciting, uh, this new chapter, uh, new opportunities. And to be fair, I mean, I don't actually know. Uh, there's probably another brewery in Stouffville because there's kind of breweries. I remember. Uh, uh, but, you know, Muddy York has, has been uh, Canada Brewery of the Year like 19 times or something like that. Um, so I'm just looking in their FAQ. Uh Oh, that's great. They're uh, sorry. <laughs> they have a, uh, a cat at the brewery called Nelson. Amazing. It's because uh, I'm assuming it's the Humane Society, but it might be the OSPCA. Anyway, some level of animal care has a program uh, for working cats. Uh, so these are um, often cats that are, are brought into shelter as you know, strays or kittens or whatever. But um, particularly uh, 
cats that aren't that are very catty. They aren't necessarily the most cuddly of cats, the most socially interactive of cats, the sort of cats who you might adopt and not see for seven days because they're in your house because there's poop in the litter box and the food keeps disappearing, but you never actually see them. These cats um, sometimes aren't super awesome for the people who adopt them because they kind of want a cat that, you know, might show up every once in a while. Um, and even just like, it can be nice to watch the cat knock something breakable off of the counter. Um, the, uh, these cats, they break everything, but they do it in a way that you never know that they're there. They're like ninjas. The, the point is, uh, especially with like stray and ferals, a lot of them don't actually particularly like people. Um, they would rather not be around people. And those cats are really, really, really hard to adopt. But there are a number of businesses of which breweries are, are a big one that actually can use to have a cat around, but they don't care if they ever see it. They, I mean, you know, if you can pat the cat and it turns out Nelson's actually pretty social, apparently he'll sit on the bar and you can stroke his little head or whatever. Um, but this program is for cats that are not the most sociable, not the most adoptable, but, um, cats in general are wicked good at killing bugs and, uh, vermin. And, um, it might disturb you to know this, but breweries are, uh, real hotbeds for that sort of thing. Now, most, hopefully all breweries in the province have robust, uh, uh, programs in place to, uh, mitigate the, uh, pest problem. But if you think about this, pretty much all grain deliveries arrive with cockroaches. They're, they're just in there, um, either as a whole big cockyroachy cockroaches or little itty bitty larval cockroaches that become bigger cockroaches in your brewery. Um, if a brewer tells you they've never seen a cockroach in their brewery, they're either lying or they're not paying very much attention. Um, but again, that's something that you can manage with, you know, proper pest control, uh, uh, things. The other problem is all that grain is very attractive, particularly to things like mice and rats. Now, as you probably know from the cartoons, cats love killing mice and rats. And what you might not fully appreciate, you might think that cats like killing mice and rats because they want to eat them. You would be wrong. They just want to murder them. They probably prefer whatever you're feeding them uh, significantly more than a freshly killed mouse or rat. But they just like killing things. Um... That's universal. Uh, whether the cat's highly adoptable or very unadoptable, odds are that cat wants to murder stuff. And if you put them in a brewery where there's some level of insect-based uh, pests, including things like cockroaches and uh, house centipedes and God knows what else, uh, as well as the potential for mice and rats, which are everywhere in the city of Toronto and tend to want to go to places that have things, you know, like giant bags full of grain, uh, the cats are like cats in a cat store. No, that's not the right saying, but you get the point. Nelson is one of those cats. I don't know why, but my vacuum cleaner is talking to me from the other room. It's a bit odd. Um, that was a real, real long tangent. It's a really cool program though. So anyway, Muddy York's had Nelson as a working cat. They have this working cat program. You can adopt the cat. It just lives in your workspace. In this case, a brewery and, uh, 
just gets to murder anything it sees and wants. Uh, but also in Nelson's case, apparently pretty cuddly little guy. Um, they, they say in the FAQ, he's going to become a house cat. I don't know if that means their house cat or somebody else's house cat, but Nelson's going to do just fine. And he's had a great life murdering the crap out of all sorts of pests that you do not want to see at a brewery. And he makes sure that you don't. So cheers to Nelson. Incidentally, if you're a little bit worried about cats being in breweries, there's two things you should know. The first is there's always been cats in breweries, uh, mainly because uh, for a significant period of history, you couldn't keep them away again because of all the bugs and mice and rats. Uh, and you wouldn't keep them away because of all the bugs and mice and rats. It was just a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, if you're worried about the health and safety implications, which is probably not an unreasonable thing to be worried about, particularly if you're not super aware of how beer is made. Uh, it would probably do to remind you that from the boil onwards, the beer is in a closed system. So cat hair, cat bits and whatever, and any disease the cat might, none of that can get into the beer after it's been boiling in the kettle, uh, which, as you hopefully remember from science, would kill anything gross if you're thinking about cat hair getting in the kettle it's possible it can happen the beer tends to be at least whirlpooled also filtered also da 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 da, da. it's never going to make it in the end product it's perfectly safe perfectly fine the actually one of the only real public health and safety considerations for cats in a brewery is for the cat because if your kettle is uh fired with natural gas if it's a if it's an open flame heating the kettle versus a steam jacket or an electric element or whatever um there's the potential that there's an unusually high concentration of carbon monoxide and dioxide uh which is heavier than air and so even though breweries tend to have very good HVAC systems, it's possible that the area sort of a meter and lower off the ground can have an unusually high concentration of those gases, which can in theory be detrimental to the cat's health in theory. That said, cats are capable of climbing and there's a lot of cool stuff to climb in breweries. So you really don't have to worry about them. They're fine. They're great. Every brewery should have at least a cat. The bigger the brewery, the more the cats, you know, Amsterdam should have six. Just saying. Get some breweries, cats. They're great. Like Nelson. Um, and and um, People's Pint had a cat, too. Its name is now escaping me. But, uh, yeah. Brewery cats. They're perfect. Everything you could want in a brewery is a cat. Wait, what? No. Uh, okay. Uh, we're getting a little long. I'm going to take a sip of beer and talk about rugby. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, it's that time of the night. It is the Guinness Six Nations. It is upon us. Mike Chowns uh, is guessing Maris. Yep, that makes sense. Named probably after the grain, not after my sister-in-law, whose name is also Maris. That's probably exactly right, Mike. Thank you very much. I like it when the uh, listening audience comes to the comes to the aid of uh, this here fella behind the microphone. A little kakua from Mike Chowns out in oh i've just outed you i just doxed you mike i won't say where you live i won't tell people you're from moose jaw um oh geez i've done it again actually might be easy to find the moose jaw's not that big a city no offense mike 
Uh, anyway, Mike could be fine. Um, it's the Guinness Six Nations of Rugby. It kicks off this Friday with France playing Ireland. Could there be a better match to start the tournament? Maybe, but is this one going to be a real banger? Damn right it is. Why? Well, I trust you know this, friend. But Anton Dupont, who is probably not probably is 100 percent the best rugby player in the world, is not playing for France this tournament because he wants to have a go at playing sevens to play sevens in the Olympics in France, which makes a lot of sense. Except, man, it sucks for France because he's the best player in the world. and He's not playing for them. That said, Ireland is missing their talismanic number 10, Johnny Sexton, who, of course, has been the number 10 of Ireland since I can't even tell you when. A long time, but he's retired. The question now is who's going to take that spot. And uh, to be honest with you, we're all kind of waiting with bated breath. The lineups for the teams should drop today, if you're listening to this fresh. Tuesday or tomorrow, Wednesday. It's usually Tuesday or Wednesday. Could be Thursday. I think they have to be out by Thursday. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be a hell of a match. Ireland's probably going to win if you ask me, but you didn't. But you got to find out anyway. And uh, what a great way to start out the tournament. Then, of course, we have Wales versus Scotland. That'll be a real ding dong. And uh, that's in Cardiff, by the way, in Wales. And uh, and then England and Italy, which unfortunately, eh, I would love to see Italy put England to the sword, but it's probably not going to happen. The Wales-Scotland one is an interesting one because Wales has got, I mean, they had a ton of people retire, which was expected because the average age on the team in the World Cup was like 33 or something stupid like that. That, by the way, is very old for a rugby player. Uh, so they've had a lot of retirements, but they've also had a bunch of um, injuries, including the two men who would have been slated to be captain, uh, Jack Morgan and Dewey Lake, uh, both out with injury, probably not going to be back for the tournament at all. Georgia North might also be out. That's a real that's a problem. <laughs> um, it, the one good thing is it means a lot of young uncapped players are going to get some uh, international test experience. This might be a really bad Six Nations to be a Welsh fan. Me. Uh, but it's a great growing opportunity for the next World Cup. So that's what we can look forward to. Fun fact. Scotland hasn't beaten Wales in Cardiff. They beat them in Llanethi, um during the pandemic. But uh, they haven't beat them in Cardiff since like 2002. And... I think it's Jenkins. Daffod Jenkins is captaining Wales. He wasn't born the last time Scotland won in Cardiff. So Wales might be on their heels. They might be in deep, deep trouble. But they've got history on their side. That said, they got beaten by Scotland last year in uh, in Edinburgh. And um, Scotland hadn't. Their Gatland, their their coach, Wales's coach, had never lost in Edinburgh until last year. And, and as he's pointed out, I, cause I listened to all these sorts of things in his, uh, uh, press interviews, unfortunately records were made to be broken. So, um, could be a Scotland victory. I picked Wales by three, but I'm looking through tulip colored glasses. Tulip. I meant daffodil. 
That was stupid. Okay. Anyway, that's the Six Nations preview. Hey, if you want to check it out, as I always say, come on down to the club, watch it there. Oh, the other thing really worth mentioning, if you're still here listening to this because you haven't stopped listening because you're not completely disinterested in rugby, Netflix has, I think it's a six episode miniseries, or maybe it's four, but I think it's six that they filmed during last year's Six Nations all about the Six Nations. It's called, I think it's called Full Contact. Um, it's fantastic. It doesn't necessarily give you like a primer on rugby, <laughs> but you pick up enough as you watch it um, and you get to meet some of the characters. Unfortunately, some of the characters you meet aren't part of the game anymore, but that's not Netflix's fault. Uh, these things take time and players get injured or retire or go play in the NFL, weirdly. Uh, so that can happen, but it's still a fantastic series. Now, I've only seen the first two episodes. I was thinking of binging it at the weekend, but I had other things to do. Uh, but I am going to be checking that out. And if you have, literally, if you're listening right now because you didn't stop listening when I started talking about rugby and you're not already a, a, a rabid rugby fan, like if you're between those two poles, check it out. It's on Netflix. It's, it's fantastic. It's really cool. I think the episodes are like 40 minutes each. So very manageable. You don't have to binge them. You can watch them one at a time. Um, but, uh, as, um, what was the name of the CFO in Keeley's company and Ted Lasso, when she confessed that she doesn't really like football, she prefers rugby because it's grown men throwing each other in the air like babies and there's more blood. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good description of the difference uh and you get to see it for one in amazing way closer tighter shots than you get when you're watching the game on tv and they've added foley so when there are hits you get these really ridiculous bone crunching meat slapping spit taking <laughs> hits and uh you, th like that's not actually what people sound like when they get hit, but man, it's dramatic as shit in the, the show. So you should check it out. That's what we got. I'm going to have a sip of beer. Mm. What beer is that? As discussed, that is Gaslight Hellas Lager from our good friends at Muddy York about to embark on a really major milestone move from East York up to Stouffville, Ontario. We're going to be down at the brewery this Saturday, February the 3rd. That, of course, as I discussed last week, year of our Lord 2024. I don't know when you're listening to this, but if you can make it down to Muddy York Brewing on February the 3rd, 2024, you know, at some point during the day after the Six Nations, if you're like me, come on down, wish them well, pat the cat, drink some beer and give them a right proper send off. Oh, I was going to tell you a story. You know what? You're going to have to ask me for the story when I'm at the brewery. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'll tell you. It involves a police dog. Yeah. So anyway, me and the canine unit. Long story. Anyway, uh, ask me. At, hey, anyone at the brewery, if you see me, ask me about the canine unit. I'll tell you all about it. You got to you got to get that story in person. It's too good for the pod. 
What's happening next week? Well, next week we will be probably mostly talking about rugby because it will have been the first week of the Guinness Six Nations. And good golly, if I'm not going to be excited, I'm probably going to drink some Guinness because it's the Guinness Six Nations. And maybe if I drink it and I tag Guinness in it and they listen to the podcast and they don't listen to any other podcasts, or at least not many, they might think I'm actually serious and they might like, I don't know, send me some free shit or invite me to go to Actually, we just discovered, I think I'm away for Super Saturday. Gosh, I hope Guinness doesn't... Guinness, if you're listening, please don't invite me to Super Saturday. I won't know how to say no. It's going to cause some real familial stress if we do that. Maybe you could invite me to Super Saturday 2025. Maybe you could invite me to be the useless Canadian beer guy who just shows up at games for all of 2025 and doesn't actually add any particular value, but... No, I can see how that the business plan for that's not going to work. Anyway, Guinness, get at me if you're listening to this. I've got a tattoo. It's Guinness. Anyway, that's it, guys. Hey, check out my buddy Rob Curry. He's going to play us out the usual song. It's Link Ray Gun, and we love it. Uh, just Emosers just joined us, and I'm sorry. You joined just in time for me to say goodnight. Buy this record. It's amazing. Bye.